And good Thursday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we talk it out here on a Thursday edition. Jeff, good morning. Welcome in. A cool morning, and that's what I like. That's uh, it's cool in the morning, hot in the evening. That's that's the new thing. Yeah, I'm loving that. I I I love being in June and it's still being comfortable, and you can do things outside, and yeah, that makes it nice. Yeah, and you can mow. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Like, that's not a, that's not a positive. <laughs> yeah. no, thanks. But uh, nonetheless, today's uh, today's show's really. I mean, when you talk about spreading the gamut, we're talking NASCAR, we're talking Major League Baseball, maybe, and we're going to talk about uh, eighty or seventy nine days until it's football time in Tennessee. Um, pretty wide gamut. Uh, I don't know if you realized yesterday or if you heard yesterday's show. Uh, three former Vols uh, on the ballot to get into the College Football Hall of Fame are on the, the list to be voted on to be on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. It's, it's a little bit of a process. It sounds a lot like a process. There's there's uh, there's some really big names. Like, well, at a break, I'll show you the list. But it's like 78 names. And, I mean, all the way from uh, uh, C.J. Spiller from Clemson to Sebastian Janikowski to – The leg. To Jack Del Rio at USC. I mean, uh, and then the three Vols injected into Did the, they just start this? No, no, no. I mean, I think it's just what happens is in some of the guys that I'm going to say for Tennessee, uh, the the administration, the the athletic director, they have to nominate you from your school. Oh, wow. so it's almost on the school if you're delayed. Like his is eight. Like his timing was like 84. But uh, but the three Vols that were on the list, and and I think one of them's fitting given the fact that Johnny Majors just passed away. It was it was Bobby Majors. Uh, you, you know, and he, he in his own right from a from a kick returner, et cetera, et cetera, was a really good player at Tennessee and all in all SEC All American selection. And that's a that's a criteria for for being even on the list is you have to be a first or you have to be a first team All American. Like that trims it pretty tight because <laughs> there's only uh, a handful of those every year. You know what I'm saying? There's only and and it's from I, I they don't really line it out, but I think it's from a. a of course, a credible selection. Well, committee. I wonder, do they have to be so many years removed? Also, you got to be ten full seasons. Removed. Okay, see that that kind of helps a little bit because yeah, that gets you, them in a thirty. You tell year me it's, it's trimmed to you know a first team All American, and then you list off Jack Del Rio and Sebastian Janikowski. So yeah, it's I'm it's like, they ten. haven't played in college in a day or two. So well, see, Peyton Manning didn't go in until twenty seventeen. That's crazy. Which again, it was. 20 years past his exit yeah yeah it's all about you know people nominating and 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 honestly it being important to them i guess but 10 years removed from college he gets in in 2017 and he has to be nominated who are they nominating ahead of him well then the thing is is there's not somebody on that list every year from tennessee i think what happens is 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 the college will like put you on the like they'll send in the recommendation and then the the and again, I'm speculating, but and then the group goes, yeah, maybe not yet. 
Maybe not yet. But but the three wow. that are on there this this year, and, and the reason I'm even bringing it up to you is because one of them's like my – I mean, he's on my Mount Rushmore of Tennessee football. Is uh, uh, One was Willie Galt, uh, you know, 85 Bears, the, yeah. the whole deal, Super Bowl shuffle. Uh, Bobby Majors, uh, again, just, just any part of that Majors family just kind of hooks in with Tennessee. And, and then Al Wilson. Okay, there you go. And, and I went – you know, once Al Wilson was named to that, I'm like – why again? Why so late? Right. You talk about, but again, I think another piece of the puzzle is so it says, and it's worded extremely weird. It's like you're outside of football matters, but it don't matter. Like it's like we're gonna look at it, but it's not. And you're it, gonna tell me Peyton's place didn't get him nominated quicker? Well, I'm just saying. I think that might have been the cherry. <laughs> that might have put the cherry or the whipped cream. Either way. But uh, anyway, he. Uh, you, you know, but Al Wilson, I think they give you a few years removed from sports in general to say, are you going to, you, you know, are you going to flip out and be some like trashy citizen that now the college football hall of fame has to, has to, you know, raise up every, every year. Yeah. that makes sense. So I, I, I and I, I don't know. I, now the Jack Del Rio, I, I feel like just for having one, having winning records at Jacksonville should have got him in some hall of fame of <laughs> right. some sort. But uh, anyway, Al Wilson being on that list was dynamic because you just go back. And, and, and during the COVID, I, I've watched that decade of dominance probably two or three times now. And uh, you talk about a guy that, that, I mean, sitting in my living room, like I want to get up and run through the wall. Like you, <laughs> you just want to do it because Al was doing it. Like he hurt his shoulder, couldn't move that one arm, but that other arm was like slinging a towel and like getting after it. So. He's just he's the epitome of what what we want back at Tennessee and ultimately um on a hoping of an ascent with Jeremy Pruitt and staff I think it's a good time to recognize the, those great times at Tennessee and and honestly um you put together the early 80s to mid 80s Johnny Majors years and those 90s Philip Fulmer years uh, it doesn't get any better than that so there's sure. two, there's two members of those groups uh, on this list but talking about Hall of Fame you know, yesterday we talked about the College Football Hall of Fame, but also uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame announced its 2021 class, uh, a three-member addition, uh, but one guy uh, somewhat overshadows the current landscape of NASCAR. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, was elected to the 2021 NASCAR Hall of Fame class, uh, a first ballot inductee. Uh, it's He joins his dad in the, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he joins uh, a lot of huge names in the sport to be in here and and i i'd have to look but i want to say this is we're still inside the first 10 classes of nascar hall of fame and when you talk about uh, the sport that's been going on as long as nascar has now for him to be in that first 50 to 60 guys that are in the the hall of fame i said that speaks volumes for for delon hart jr yeah i it it is impressive definitely um, and, and I, I think you, there's no way you can't put him in. I mean, granted, I think you have to look at the whole body of his work. Cause if you just base it off of cup wins and he's got some definite high profile wins, I know he's got the Daytona 500 a couple times, the Winston. Yeah. Um, it was his first wins. You know that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, and those are hope high profile wins there. There are guys in the hall right now that have never won there. I mean, for example, Rusty Wallace, he never won at any restrictor plate. So, yeah, and and Dale Earnhardt Jr. owned Talladega too. Exactly. 
and and so you know those are high profile wins which are a big deal you uh you you it's amazing uh, it's almost like we talked about this beforehand <laughs> uh, but uh it amazes me you know you're you're going right down the same path like i when i heard this i'm a dale earnhardt jr fan I, I like him in the broadcast booth i like the whole the whole gamut i mean the earnhardt family there's a mystique about it in nascar uh but when it when he got elected i'm like soul searching a little bit is this a is this a is this a daddy selection or is this truly is he a to be remembered end all kind of person in nascar uh and, and quite frankly i'm i'm along the same lines as you say as a driver i look at it and 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 as a driver i, I don't know that even though even though he won two xfinity or at that time bush series championships mm-hmm. Um, he had, uh, I think he, I think he ended up with 24 Bush series wins and 26, nat, you know, cup series wins. And, uh, and that's, that's great. There's, there's people in the hall of fame that have, uh, you, you know, less than that, that are in the hall of fame. I mean, that again, we're high profile, we're very competitive and, and, and just for whatever reason, was it, a was it the equipment? Was it whatever, uh, that, that kept them, you know, out of the winner circle, but had a lot of top tens, a lot of top fives. But but Dale Earnhardt Jr. Once I you know really started diving into how he's he's transformed into an owner, how he's doing in the broadcast booth, and then the biggest thing for me is 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 Dale Jr. gets a pass, and and you know that's probably not the best word to use, but he gets a pass because he single handedly held NASCAR on when Dale Senior passed. I oh, mean, absolutely. The weight of this, I mean, it could have went. You, you know, people might say, well, no. Uh, there was, you know, Kevin Harvick came in, and 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 there was Mark Martins, and there was there was Rusty's, and there was all these guys that were in the sport that picked up the slack. Absolutely not. No, those that were already in the sport, you didn't like them because you were a Dale, Dale Earnhardt fan, right? And and you were not going to transition and go to Jeff Gordon. You weren't going to go to Kevin Harvick because he's in your guy's car. So there was only one route to go. And yep. it was Dale Earnhardt Jr. So, in my opinion, did NASCAR suffer when Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed? Absolutely. I think the 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 good old boy, the the roughneck style of racing, died with Dale Earnhardt Sr. No no bones about it. But I would credit Dale Earnhardt Jr. for bringing NASCAR into the 2000s. He was that guy that you know it didn't matter. He always was going to have a smooth looking paint scheme. He was always going to run really well, and it was. He was. He still had that kind of kind of response post race because he still he still you know writing them thick of it. You know, Canapolis or Mooresville is where he's from. He's just that North Carolina boy, and and you know he kind of brought some different things to the track too. He, you know, his dad had kind of he his dad pretty much started merchandising, and then Dale Jr. just took it to the to the next level. You know, brought in a lot of the real tree camo and brought in a lot of those pieces. Uh, branched out started his own little radio gig that dirty mo radio um has done a lot of things in xfinity honestly if you look at the sport today and say where's dale jr's footprint it's all over it between alex bowman uh william byron uh martin truex jr a, a nascar cup series champion all these guys came through either junior motorsports or that chance to racing 
uh, all Dale Jr. kind of affiliates, but uh, he is he is probably groomed. I mean, he's he's in the Junior Johnson kind of mold. He he's groomed and developed more than he did ever in the race car. Yeah, and that's and that's why I think he got the hard look at getting in. And and the thing is, you know, when his dad passed, he could have crumbled. He could have walked away, and he could have said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. You know, and then you had the turmoil with, with Teresa and, and all that and you know, and he kinda pushed through all that and and helped the sport push through all that, which I mean, to your point, I, I think that's what kinda held it all together. And then like you said, the merchandising, it for the longest time it was the Budweiser car. And, and I literally this past weekend, a couple weekends ago when I had my yard sale, I sold a number eight Dell Junior hat. Yeah. And and it was one of the first things to go. Oh, of course. And and that's the thing is, you know, it's still he's still relevant and he hasn't you know, he hasn't been driving now, but everybody still knows who he is. And and it's not just Earnhardt, it's Earnhardt Junior. Well, and that's the thing. Like anybody that and they you know, this is the thing in sports and in any kind of thing. If you're known by your first like if you have a, a, a moniker, like a nickname that you like nobody really knows your full name a whole lot. Like when you're Dale Jr., like even professionally, he's Dale Jr. Oh yeah, there's a there's a few there's not a lot of people that's going to do that, you know, that's no. going to carry that name, and and he's done so, and you know, there, it's not been without hardship. There was a time in the middle portion of his career where he was he wasn't good, he was probably bad. Yeah, he got bounced uh, a little bit, but but at the same rate, you know, I thought he handled the Teresa thing like a pro. It would have been real easy to say no. No, my daddy's name's on that thing. We're gonna we're gonna do it this way and yeah. really get nasty with it. But you know what? He understood what he could do. He went to Hendrick Motorsports, had some great years with them, uh, and honestly rejuvenated a career that that quite frankly I don't think was a Hall of Fame career until he went to Hendrick. And I think that spoke more about him to do that and in that situation and if anybody came out of it looking really good, it was him. Mm. And and the other party looked pretty crappy and and i don't know if people if if it's been mainstreamed or whatever but google the dirty mo release of when they watched the the hall of fame ballot you know selection yeah, that was pretty cool because so they're doing this just because one he's 45 years old he he fully expected and he says it in the video fully expect you know it's nice to be on the list i appreciated that that honor but i'm 45 i've got plenty of years that i can you know get back on the list and and da 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 and then all of a sudden they said in the last member of the 2021 Hall of Fame induction, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and between Amy Earnhardt, Allah's daughter, and him, it was emotional because, you know, you just you, you don't you don't know till you know. And, yeah. and you know, the the he said, I don't know everybody on the selection committee, uh, but but I know a lot of those guys. And he said, I, I didn't know this, but you know, I guess I didn't hear it, but I, I kind of assumed it. He said, I live on affirmation. You know, he's a he's a needs to hear that he's doing a good job kind of guy. And he said, for them to say that means the world to me. Because I think even as him, he understands. Daddy won 76 races. I won 26 races. Mm -hmm. There's a gap. There's He won seven championships. I couldn't get one. Yeah. There's a gap. And so I guess he was, he in his own mind was validating, was he really that good or was he Dell Earnhardt's son? And I think there's a little bit of both in there. I think uh, so, but I do think you know it, after he got it, and it, it was so it was so real because it was real time. 
Like there wasn't a, okay, I got inducted, let me prepare some words. No, it was it was raw as it gets. I mean, Kelly was there, his sister, and she was a wreck. Oh yeah, <laughs> like and and honestly, that's that's great that they've had that relationship because you you know it's just you need to be grounded at some rate, and and he's been able to do that. But Amy was right there, Isla was there, and and what I love about Isla is she likes playing with uh with diecast cars. Like did you see that, that was that's funny where she was thing. she was trying to play with the cars, but and... but but she it was funny. Dale Earnhardt Jr. said. They said, are you surprised or were you nervous? He was like, well, I had a root canal earlier today. I was a little more uh, <laughs> I was a little more nervous about that. And I went, well, I said, there's, there's perspective right there. Yeah, I mean, he's a real dude, you know. But he's, he's really cool. Uh, Earnhardt received 70% of the modern era ballot votes, uh, of course, eclipsing all the other uh, p- people that would have gotten that. Uh, he goes in with Red Farmer and, uh, and, and Mike Stavanek. Uh, again, I, I'm not, I'm not real, um, I'm not real hip on, I know Red Farmer, but I don't know Mike Stefanik. I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not up on that name, but guys who, uh, uh, didn't, didn't necessarily get in this year, Ricky Rudd, uh, Neil Bonnet, uh, again, guys that I think will get in at some point, uh, down, down the road, again, the late Neil Bonnet, uh, but, uh, I think you know you sit there and you, you got to understand the uh, the dynamic that you bring to the sport and and Dale Jr. is a good inductee. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I went to the to the Hall of Fame the uh, the year after the first the week before they put the second class in. So the first class, of course, was was uh, um, Bill France Senior, uh, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt Senior, and, uh, and who else was on that? Maybe Junior Johnson. It was it was a pretty big I panel. I see that. It was a pretty big panel. But I went and and they had a uh, meet and greet. Like we didn't know this was going on. We literally walk in. We pay our I think at the time fourteen dollar ticket, and we're going in. And there's this big like entrance that has a globe on the floor, and it has basically you're here. It's a star, and it says Hall of Fame. And then it's it's little lines like a distance to this track, distance to this track. So we find Bristol and da da da. Well, all of a sudden people are starting to like congregate and and in the main foyer there there's a track and it starts on a beach and it's got that old beach race car and then all of a sudden the banking starts rolling up and and then it gets steeper and steeper and it's 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 replicas of different surfaces like darlington uh like you know it it ends up at bristol and it's up like that and they've got a jimmy johnson car nearly nearly you know inverted here uh and and you can walk up on the track you can feel it it's it's a pretty cool dynamic but anyway people start to congregate and i'm like huh wonder what's gonna go on i'm like they're gonna give away something free all of a sudden four chairs roll out yeah four chairs three chairs i can't remember nonetheless not really that important the two guys is the only ones i'm interested in talking about but uh, no it was three chairs because it was it was who walks out but winston kelly who was a moderator, mm-hmm. Junior Johnson, Richard Petty. Wow. And, I mean, it was a moment. And, and, and Winston sat in the middle and just asked questions, and the crowd could ask questions. And, uh, and, and my father-in-law, who's a big Mopar man, got to ask Richard Petty a question, which was kind of cool. And uh, uh, wish you had phones with uh, cameras on it at that – or video camera on it at that point. But anyway – um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty quaint place. I mean, they, they've got, of course, like a gallery 
to where it's just great drivers and, and you know they've got stuff they've got something uh from uh, uh ld oddinger who's from newport i mean that's that's pretty cool for me uh uh you know and and then they've got actually the hall if you will which is like a a rotunda kind of area and it actually has like setups and of course that year they had a a black three car they had the 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 winged car for for richard petty they had the desk that uh, bill france senior kind of mocked up nascar on they had the whole deal so and then they had a, a steal for junior johnson but uh i'm i'm interested in going back next year once it's they're inducted and and they have their year of display to look at and seeing what they put in there for Dale yeah Jr. that'd be really because cool i think you've got to have uh you've got to have snippets of the uh the blonde hair that he rocked there in the early 2000s he probably looks back and goes what was i thinking and then i think you've got to have you've got to have some form of that red budweiser car oh absolutely uh, iconic i mean yes. one of those i mean it 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 rates right up there rainbow warrior uh petty car black number 3 budweiser yep. budweiser 8 cuz when it went to 9 it just lost it no nah, it, it was just the same lost it. but anyway Darrell Earnhardt Jr into the class of 2021 for the NASCAR Hall of Fame uh, again a question that it can be asked is he is he a worthy driver maybe not but is he a worthy uh NASCAR contributor absolutely yep, absolutely I agree. but let's take us a break listen to these great sponsors when we come back let's talk about the saga that is major league baseball rob manfred versus mr clark of the players association seems to be a nastier thing every day but are they going to play baseball jeff and i'll talk about it what we think and how you fix it uh, on the flip side of the break you're listening to the grind 100.9 fm 8:50 a.m and streaming at wkvl.com we'll be right back you don't want to miss it Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Your local Blount County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. 
The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blount County Community Food Connection. This is Wayne, and let me start by saying thanks for listening, and I hope you like what we're grinding on today in what we like to call the fastest hour here in Blunt County, but we wanted to take a minute to let you know how you can join in, give your take on today's topics. You can give us a call, Grind Time Hotline, 865-983-4310. That's 865-983-4310. But if you don't have time or you're on that morning grind, give us a message on our website, thegrindonsports.com. You can drop a comment, leave a message, and we'll get your opinion on the air. I look forward to hearing from you. And as always, thanks for putting the grind on your mind. El Jimador Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimador offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimador Mexican Grill, located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimador Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition of The Grind. Kind of took that one on into the break, uh, talking a little bit more about NASCAR and just the names that are on the list and, and, and everything that is uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame. So it's kind of it's going to be interesting the next few years how that, that shakes out. But, but kind of what's going to be interesting the next few weeks and how things shake out is this Major League Baseball deal. Rob Manfred and, uh, and Tony Clark, the – the, the mess that is, are we going to play baseball? How are we going to play baseball? Where are we going to play baseball? I feel like Major League Baseball got to get their, their head on straight. They got to they gotta pull their britches up, be a big boy about it, and, and go after it. Because the NHL has a plan. The, MLB, or the NBA has a plan. I don't know if you heard me yesterday. They've got everything but where they're going to use the bathroom. 
lined out. I mean, if this happens, we go here. I mean, it's a roadmap for for a season. However, whether it's a good one or a bad one, they've got a roadmap for it. And Major League Baseball still don't know if they're going to play or not. And it's a money thing. Yeah. Well, it's always a money thing. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. And, and you know, you, you, the NHL, I think they may have been one of the first ones to start out rolling, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do it. And, you know, for them to come out and say that, the because it's always number four, you know, it, always. It's always, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. That's just how it is. And for number four to come out of the woodworks and say, we got a plan, that puts pressure on the other ones. And, and you know, of course, the NBA is like, let's do this. And then you've got baseball who's still in the background going, wait, I want more dollars. Well, and, and, and to – to their to their credit, and I'm not I'm not trying to give them a whole lot, but I am saying Major League or NHL is like 22 games. I think the I think NBA is going to play like something around there, 18 to 24 games regular season. Then they're going to kick off to. A I playoff. don't even know the NHL is going to do any regular season. Oh yeah, they're going straight to the they're playoffs. Going straight to the but playoffs. it's like 24 teams, and it's just like yeah. it's a shootout, right? Well, in, the NBA is very similar. They're going to play some level of a like play in series. And then they're going to go to a playoff. And so Major League Baseball does have a little different uh, idea of that is they're going to play like 60 games, 70 oh, yeah. games. So there is a level of uh, more further commitment needed by that athlete. But but at the same rate, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going, do you want baseball or do you not? Yes and no. Because <laughs> they still have some really big rosters. Right. And they still have guys that don't play every game. Well, Whereas, like you look at an NHL roster, and I would say, and I would it's say, much smaller. I would say outfielder. I'd rather play outfielder for for like twenty games than play like goalie for two. Right, and and you look at you look at an NBA team also. That roster is a whole lot smaller. Oh, and then yeah. you compare it to a bullpen of you know ten guys. Oh yeah, I, the only pay, players that'll play every day are, are you know some of those offense or defensive players. Right, but. Uh, I, so it's been it's been all over the board. There's been there's been a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, hundred percent we're having baseball. It's just working out the details. About three nights ago, Rob Manfred came on, and I can't remember the name of the show. It really that part of it doesn't matter. But he says I'm I'm doubtful. I, I don't know if we're gonna have baseball. You know, I don't know what that's gonna look like. And 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 so that kind of stirred up a little bit of discussion, da 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 da. And I think that was a push to get the players' association to go. You know, we don't have to have baseball. Like, and 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 whether I agree with that decision or not, um, I, I don't. But but at the same rate, uh, it was what Rob Manfred pushed out there. But they said yesterday, positive negotiations took place between Major League Baseball and the players' union with a possibility of a sixty-game season starting July nineteenth or twentieth. With res- with the players receiving the, their full prorated salaries and expanded playoff, two major league sources have confirmed. It says there will still be more work to be done, but it's a step in the right direction. Like, I don't know who's hanging this thing up. Like, to me, you understand that obviously there's a date. There, there's a, that October timing where they don't want to go past. They don't want to work past that, and I understand that. But on the flip side of the coin – Somebody can go out there. If you've watched the movie The Replacements, if you've watched the movie Major League, we can make it happen. 
yeah, we can put can a team together. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, is that's what that's what needs to happen. I mean, I understand, and and I ever the 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 rationalist that say, I don't know why you had to say that, Jason. Jason said, <laughs> as long as the Yankees don't win, I don't care what happens. Go Pirates! Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to go somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Oh, and sixty. But uh, but you, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I understand the their their thought that if we take less money now, then it's going to hurt us for for salary cap from here on out. Like it's going to stunt the growth of 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 payment. First off, I don't know that it doesn't need to be stunted. I mean, you see some of these contracts like three and four hundred million dollars. I mean, that's that's like stupid money. That's like even even the U.S. Mint looks at you and go, how much? How, how many zeros? I mean, they're can sitting, we just pay you in gold bars? Yeah, they're like, yeah, it, it pours easier. But uh, but anyway, so I don't have a ton of time for that. And, and and a lot of people have different. Well, these these guys have value. There's only so many innings they play, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but I'd rather be on the I'd rather be on the team that brought baseball back than the team that cost us a baseball season. Sure, yeah, point blank and honest. And I understand there's there's those that that sit behind the the safety and and the the I don't want to play because of Corona. And you know if you're in that camp, if you're in that side of things, uh, don't play. I, and, and and the thing is, it's not going to be a black mark on your career. But just say I'm out. Push your chips in. Let somebody else pick them up. Point blank. It's the NBA's doing that. They've yeah. got the, they've got like the next week to say I'm playing or I'm not. And, and that's fair. I mean, that's that's a player safety. That's a player health kind of thing. And I will say though, I, I don't know that sports has been as safe as it is right now. With they're, they're going to check your temperature like the front, back, in, out. They're they're going to do any way the check they can every day, and it's going to be. I mean, gloves, sanitizing. I mean, I've been in locker rooms before, and I got a feeling that they're going to be a lot cleaner than what I've seen used to. And known of. So you remember, like an NBA, you got that towel guy. Anytime somebody goes up for a dunk and the other guy lands on the ground, and you've got the towel guy runs out there real quick. I wonder if he's going to run out there with like the sanitation bottle. See, I see. I went the other way. I wonder if they at NBA games could have a zamboni. Oh, that and would be cool. And at the TV breaks, they could just run one around. And they just put new floor like down. Like a squeegee. <laughs> like a squeegee. But anyway, that would be kind of cool. I would. I would take that job, and I would do it just for the price of admission. I'd drive that thing. Just for the price of admission. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. I'd ride it just like old Marshawn Lynch did that golf cart. Just just swagged out. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I this whole baseball thing, I you know, I, I'm I'm like Jason. I don't I don't care what happens as long as as long as the Red Sox don't win. But anyway, Ooh. uh it, but I'm just uh I'm just ready to see something happen. Like, you know, and I think Mike Trout and, and a couple guys are in that camp. They said, just tell me where to come play. Sure. And and, and I think that, that's the problem with any kind of players union or any kind of Major League Baseball association is it's two-sided when really this thing is, is – it's got a lot of sides. There's players that say, I just want to play, but yet the union is holding back. There's players that say, I'm absolutely not going to play. And then the union's kind of trying to bridge that. And then on the Major League Baseball side of things, unfortunately, I'm not – a you know, there's a lot of people that just staunchly hate Rob Manfred. They hate Roger Goodell. They hate whoever the commissioner of NHL is. They hate anybody that's in that leadership role. Uh, but unfortunately, he's just the deliverer of information, and how he chooses to do that dictates how much they hate him. 
Yeah. So yeah. I, I think Rob Manfred is a he's a messenger at this point. I'm not saying he's doing a great job, but I'm saying he's the he gets it whether he wants it or not. And uh, and right now I think he's he's stumbling a little bit to to communicate well uh, what the situation is. Yeah. It it's it's just one of they honestly. I just hope we get it back so that maybe one day during the week when I'm bored, I can throw the watch the Pirates lose, <laughs> which is what I normally do. And then, you know, it ratchets up a little bit in October when you get into the playoffs and whatnot. And I try to watch a little bit of those series and things like that. So for me, just as long as they figure something out so that I can watch a little bit of baseball come October, I'll be okay with that. So, so the plan is, is, so they said they left a face-to-face meeting on Tuesday afternoon with framework and, and really a, a detailed plan to get this deal done by Friday. They're going to meet again today uh, to try to, I guess they, they took said framework back to their respective groups and, and are going to get some pros and cons together, and then they'll meet again today to kind of hash that out. So I guess over and under – you know, what do you think the percentage of, of a deal legitimately getting done, no more mudslinging uh, by Friday? What, what do you, I mean, do you see that as a, as a real possibility? I do. I, I think, especially with the pressure coming from some of the other leagues, that they're going to get something done. Now, so, and, and again, I want to say that, that Major League Baseball has, has lifted some of their requirements. This is the first deal as of Tuesday that offered full prorated benefits uh, okay. for, or salary, I mean. Uh, so, I mean, I think they're giving that olive branch, and they want 60 games. They want to shorten the season uh, to do that. And I think the players want more games because, again, the salary is per game. So, uh, I think they want more games to make more money. Uh, but, again, I, I think they've got, they've got to meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, and I think sometimes athletes in general like, to, like the deal to come to them I think this time they're going to have to get out of the chair a little bit. I sometimes I'm wondering. I don't. I don't think it'll be by Friday. I think they will make a deal, but I'm. I'm. I don't think. I mean, Friday's tomorrow. So I. So. I, so I what about you, you talk about? They're they're like trying to do a season like NASCAR on steroids. You know how NASCAR did midweek races? They're going to play sixty games in ten weeks. I'm wow. no mathematician. That's six games a week. Yeah. That's you know now, what that is. That's probably three doubleheader days. That that's kind of what I was wondering, or at least maybe two doubleheaders. Oh, in play there. four days and play two doubleheader yeah. days, and then one single. single. I mean, they can do it. I mean, the rosters on MLB teams they're they're large, and all you're doing is putting nine dudes out there. And I mean, and I mean, you can do it. There's no there's no doubt you can do it. Are they increasing the rosters at all? Have they talked about that? Because, like, the NHL, I think they added two spots to the rosters for this, and they've opened up something about being able to tap into AAA players and things like that. It doesn't say anything, but they did say that they were going to allow uh, allow uh, more. You know, in postseason, you can kind of pull some guys up. They, they were going to allow more of that. Yeah, that, NHL's doing that, too. Um and I mean, if you want to cram more games, and that's the way to do it, you know, open the roster up. I mean, more than what they have. Right. Yeah. The problem is, and it's it's that catch twenty two of COVID. Yeah, you can't fit that many people in a locker room six foot apart. It's true. Gotta have to have two locker rooms or and spaces a, and, a, and a Zoom call and a Zoom call. You could do your <laughs> your pregame speech on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't come in. Listen to it in your car. 
WebEx. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway, that's the new buzzword right there, WebEx. Yeah. Or Zoom. 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 Anyway, let's zoom right on to our last break of the day. <laughs> uh, let's head on out, listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, 79 days until it's football time in Tennessee. Who wore 79 for the Vols? Who wore 79 that is now in the Hall of Fame? And who wears 79 for the Vols right now? We'll talk about it all on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be back. You don't want to miss it. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At Rural King, we believe that fishing is about more than catching fish. Fishing is about new sights and experiences with friends and family. All you need to get hooked is some reliable, easy-to-use fishing gear from Zebco. And this week's Rudy Special is a six-foot rod and reel combo, normally $29.99, now just $14.99. You say 15 bucks. Nobody beats this price on a Zebco fishing rod and reel. But hurry, supplies are limited at your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. Carm Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and Carm Stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media but if you say i don't like social media 
but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we talk it out right here on a Thursday edition. Jeff, 79 days until it's football time in Tennessee. We talked about it last year almost weekly, and I might as well just keep that going. I started this 20 days ago. 99 is – it doesn't seem like it's been near three weeks. Tomorrow will be three weeks that I've been doing this countdown. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And and it's just going to roll right on off. Now, how we uh, how we decide to if, if, if it actually is going to happen on September the 5th is a different story. But uh, we're going to count it down until they tell us not to. But 79 <laughs> days until it's football time in Tennessee. Questions we, we try to answer is who wore it for the Vols, who wears it for the Vols, and then what famous Hall of Fame number 79s are out there. And then if we have time – what the year looked like in sports. So for the Vols, number 79 was a big one. Eric Steele being the big one. He was a he was a bulldozer of an offensive lineman and helped push the pile for Tennessee to set a school record at the time for total yards per game with an average of 408.5 yards a game in 1989. The Vols rushed for 2,701 yards behind Eric Steele's offensive line, the most since the national championship season of 1951 at that time. Still was awarded the Jacobs Trophy for the SEC's top blocker and played in two All-Star games in the classroom. He was an academic All-SEC honor roll four straight 
years. That's that's huge for a for a big man uh, to stay stay right in the classroom, get it done on the football field. Uh, that's a that's the next level. Yeah, that's definitely impressive, especially. Uh, He's actually enshrined in the WKVL studios. Yeah, right there. Yeah, that's yeah, what we were, that. I was just reading it while you were saying it. <laughs> But uh, but I tell you, offensive lineman eighty six to eighty nine. It, it's it, those are the the key pieces that you got to have to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. They they they're the ones that get it done in the trenches. That generally they don't see the same kind of recognition. You know, right? Absolutely. Another another guy that wore seventy nine was Brad Lampley. Uh, his son now, Jackson Lampley, is on the on the roster right now. He said the reason I wore seventy nine, like a lot of players. He said, my high school number was 75, was taken by an upperclassman. So when I got to UT, I just uh, took the best number available, which was 79. He said, then over time, that number become pretty big big to me, all the way down to being part of, of my home email addresses and so forth. He said, once my son Jackson started playing football, I just assumed he'd want to wear 79 since that was my number. I was wrong. He had no interest in 79. He instead wanted to wear 76 uh, since his favorite NFL player, my good friend and teammate Chad Clifton, wore 76, another guy that played at Tennessee. Uh, For the Packers, Chad even gave Jackson one of his Pro Bowl jerseys to seal the deal. So much for wanting to be like Dad. That's awesome. Is that not funny? That's uh, you know that's that's tough competition. <laughs> that, you know, that's a Pro Bowl jersey. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is let me let me see where he did he get 76 when he came uh, to Tennessee. Oh, where's he at? He may not have gotten his jersey yet. No, there he is. He's 50. <laughs> oh, so much, so much for that. That's so, almost like long snapper. You know what's bad? There's not a 76 currently on our on Ooh. our roster. I wonder why he might have just went to 50. Maybe maybe that's his like welcome to Tennessee. Here's your your arbitrary number, and then he gets to pick one maybe later. Maybe maybe and and maybe it's one of those deals where uh, he's going to redshirt at that rate. So oh uh, that why, could be too. Yeah. Why not just uh, why take a number that somebody else could could be interested in? But uh, nonetheless nonetheless he is a redshirt freshman out of Montgomery Bell Academy. He wears number 50. But uh, number 79 though. When you look at at uh, at who all's worn it, and again, a lot of these jersey numbers became a thing like in the '40s. So you're not going to see a ton of guys before then wearing it, or record of them wearing it, because it was just a bunch of guys got out there and it was a pickup game mostly. I mean, it was it was somewhat, I guess, notes were held. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, it was kind of a battle till till we got enough players hurt that we couldn't play no more. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it looked like. David Ullman wore it for the first time, number 79, in 40, 1946. Jack Beeler wore it in 47-48. Phil Sechrist wore it in 49. Roger Ra- Rotroff uh, wore it 50-53. John Bobo wore it in 54. Ray Cox wore it in 55. Joe Chafer uh, wore it in 56-59. Kenny Brown wore it 60-62. Reggie Jellycourse wore it in 1963. This may be my favorite name list of numbers. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're epic. John Crumbacher uh, wore it in 64-65. Frank Yonnessy uh, wore it in 66-69. Mike Jones wore it in 71 and 70. Who? Mike Jones. Uh, Mike Caldwell, 73-75. Jesse Turnbow wore it in 76-77. and Mike Mason. Wore it in 79. Dwight Wilson wore it in 80, 81. Tony Bartley wore it in 84. Eric Steele, 86 through 88. Bill Schnoli 
uh, wore it in 90-91. Leland Taylor wore it in 93. Brad Lampley, uh, 94 through 97. Reggie Ridley uh, wore it 99 through 01. Chris Scott wore it 06 through 09. Brock Collier uh, wore it 11 and 12. And your current number 79 is Karat Garland. Uh, he is a, mount, a big, big fella. Karat Garland and Jarius Abercrombie. Uh, both linemen, one offensive lineman, 6'4", 300-pound, out of Birmingham, Alabama, and Karat Garland, 6'3", 304, uh, out of Conyers, Georgia. So uh, big boys wearing 79 right now. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to look for is I'm trying to look and see who I – because there are some NHL players that wear in the high 70s and stuff like that, and but all I keep pulling up is football players. and So I'm trying to find just anybody. <laughs> anybody. So there, there's three uh, Hall of Famers in the in the National Football League Hall of Fame uh, that wore number 79. Uh, tackle Roosevelt Brown uh, wore. He's on my list. 13 NFL seasons. Uh, he he was on my list. Harvey Martin and Bob the Geek St. Clair. Like I just think that's awesome. Roosevelt Brown, 13 seasons. He was 6'3", 255 out of Morgan State. Uh, he was uh, he was the Giants' 27th overall pick in 1953. He uh, he uh, <laughs> joined the Giants as a green 20-year-old, quickly won a starting role, and held it for 13 straight seasons. He was an excellent downfield blocker, great pass protector, all NFL eight straight years, uh, played in nine different Pro Bowls, named the NFL's Lineman of the Year in 1956 uh, from Charlottesville, Virginia, Virginia. Uh, Roosevelt Brown Jr. in the in, in Canton as a Hall of Famer at number 79. That's pretty good. That's pretty special, right? Pretty special. Forrest Gregg, another tackle. I remember that name. He played for the Packers. Now, he's listed as a number 75 uh, in this, but uh, I think he, he wore multiple numbers mm-hmm. during his time. So, uh, again, the they say you, you don't get much recognition on the offensive line, but there's a lot of satisfaction if you know you're doing your job and the coaches know it. He said, our backs always knew they didn't make those long runs by themselves. And that's Exactly. That's, that's the point. You know? And that's something he said in his Hall of Fame uh, induction speech. 15 years uh, in the in the uh, NFL out of Southern Methodist, an SMU guy, a Mustang. Smoo. Uh, yeah, a little smoo action. 6'4", 249. His name was Alvis Forrest Gregg, number two draft pick in 1956. Lombardi called him... The best player I ever coached. Versatile, durable, hardworking, and intelligent, and played guard in emergencies. <laughs> he played in 188 straight games, uh, all NFL eight straight years, played in nine different Pro Bowl games, played on six NFC NFL championship teams, three Super Bowl championships out of Birthright, Texas. Uh, Forrest Gregg. All right. There I mean, you go. When Lombardi says you're the best, that's that's kind of a big deal. You should probably have a trophy named after you. Oh. I mean, there's the Lombardi trophy, and then if you're the best player that he ever coached, there should be something named after you too. There probably is. So the Geek Bob St. Clair, uh, that's, uh, that's another 79 that's on the list. It said the game is built around roughness. There's a personal thrill out of knocking a man down, really hitting him. It's the only satisfaction a lineman gets. I can get that. I see that. Well, he also played in the time where you don't have a face mask. So I feel like if you just remember knocking somebody down, you probably got to. I cannot imagine that. Yeah. I mean, but he's still smiling at his induction speech. 
That's that's one thing, right? Like with all of his teeth? Well, I don't know that they're. I don't think he had them his whole life. Oh, I think he might have purchased them. <laughs> yeah, they are held in. I'll take those. <laughs> yeah. they look uh, good. Eleven NFL seasons out of San Francisco, six nine, two hundred and sixty three pounds. Good grief. Googly moogly. Robert Bruce St. Clair, third-round draft pick in 1953, had size, speed, intelligence, and loved to hit. Excelled at both running and pass blocking. Played on goal line defense. He was superb on special teams. Blocked 10 field goals in 1956. All NFL four years. Started in five Pro Bowls. He was a 49ers team captain. And he was nicknamed the Geek. You know why? Uh, it said because of his flamboyant lifestyle. I'll leave that right there. Don't okay. know exactly what that. But born February 11, 1931, Robert Bruce St. Clair, a Hall of Famer that wore the number 79. I just looked up at the time because uh, Tuesday we about ruined it. We about we about went right into the Swain event. But we got like two minutes now. So, you know, we always make the comment about oh, players right now couldn't play with the players that we have in the past and players in the past couldn't play with the players we have right now. You just listed him off. He's almost seven foot tall. And what year did he play in? In like the 60s. Right. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say – I bet he could probably hang with every bit of any of the players right now. Yeah, yeah, I would. It'd be hard pressed for me to think he couldn't, honestly, especially with the rules that are that are out there now. Now, I don't know that he could stay on the field. I think it'd be too um, many men on the field. Too per, much man on the field. Personal <laughs> foul number one. <laughs> personal foul. That's clean. It was when I played. Right. But, I mean, you know, we always make the comment about, you know, athletically, the players in the past couldn't keep up with the players. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, dude. Dude, seven foot and two sixty. Right. I mean, hey, you'll, he's going to keep happy. up. You know, you know something else that happened in nineteen seventy nine. You know uh, the champions that happened in seventy nine. Pittsburgh Steelers. Who they beat? Oh, uh, I don't remember who they beat. Them boys. They beat uh, them boys. the 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 champions in football were the Alabama Crimson Tide beat Penn State fourteen to seven to claim the AP poll national championship for the seventy eight season. Uh, January 21st, the Steelers of the AFC beat the Dallas Cowboys of the NFC 35-31. to Where? In the Miami Orange Bowl in front of 79,400 fans. Uh, August 4th was the opening game of American football. Bundes- I don't know what that is, but it's a, a, a version of German football. Uh, but it started football? in... Yeah, it's Frankenfurter or something. But uh, anyway, uh, November the 10th, 1979, was German Bowl One, where Frank Frankfurter Lowen defeated the Ansbach Grizzlies 14-8. to Like, if that's ever on Jeopardy, anybody out there, you're welcome. I've got to go back and watch that. You're welcome. I, I bet you it's on, it's on the ESPN <laughs> app. I, I guarantee it. Uh, but anyway... Uh, trying to roll down through here. World Series, the Pittsburgh Pirates won four games to three over the Baltimore Orioles. We are family. Series MVP was Willie Stargell. Uh, the Pirates become the only team in sports history to come back from a three-game-to-one deficit in a championship series twice, having also achieved the comeback in the 25 World Series. Did I you know that? I wish we could just bring the team back. Let's just do that. <laughs> sure enough. Uh, NCAA basketball, Michigan State beats Indiana State. 75 to 64 and the NBA Finals the Supersonics 
from Seattle were your champions. Coached by Lenny Wilkins, won four games to one over the then Washington Bullets for the only finals win in Supersonics history. And then the Australian NBL was founded, 1979. All those things you didn't know two minutes ago. But anyway, if you're on your way to work, you're on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't want to miss it.